Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today, we're going to be welcoming Connor Olson. Connor is the Vice President of Sales at Workspace, which is a leading commercial real estate software platform. He's also CEO of Olson Consulting, where he works with startups to Fortune 500 companies, unlocking the potential of their sales organizations. He's a graduate of the prestigious Foster School of Business and enjoys playing tennis, golf, and the great outdoors. Connor, I want to welcome you today, Thank and you. uh, you're welcome. And from your background, from the background we've done, you've had quite a journey to your current position. Uh, please take us back and share how it all began for you, as well as the mindset you had to deal with the setbacks and victories along the way. Yeah. So where would you like to start? <laughs> I'll just bring it way back. I <laughs> okay. think um, definitely had a lot of setbacks and a lot of victories along the way. Uh, I think going back, I mean, at least speaking professionally, Okay. I was always very, very intentional about the direction I wanted to go. Ah. Um, I think I was dead set from a young age on being successful, which I initially thought was just financial. Okay. Which is partially like a byproduct of how I grew up. Okay. Um, and how did and that not, play into it? Well, I grew up in like a single mom home. Gotcha. And I had seen the stress finances can put on people. Okay. And I just like knew that I didn't want to go down that path and gotcha. never wanted to deal with that. All right. So obviously like growing up like that, I don't know how that would manifest itself or like what that would look like when it came to fruition, but I just knew I wanted to be successful on paper. Okay. Um, All right. So I think that guided a lot of my decisions from an early age. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll talk about some setbacks, but I think one of the big differences in my trajectory or things that I'm thankful for is kind of having that North star of knowing like I being doing affirmations and journaling and just knowing I would be successful and like never letting myself not believe that. Oh, okay. Um, so mm -hmm. I, a great example of success in my life at the time was my uncle Mark. Okay. And I think mentorship became a really critical piece of, of my life. And it's something I'm trying to do to give back now. But how did you stay open yeah. to, especially at a young age, stay open to mentoring when that old adage, you want to hire a teenager, will they know everything? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, that's not a, a knock on youth, but it, it, we all, I think, are very adamant about independence and having our own thoughts. Yeah. And here you were open to, to the advice of, uh, of your peers, yeah. the older peers. Yeah, I think it was, I mean, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder and wanted to do things my own way okay. and was relentless in that pursuit. Okay. But I think I realized at an early age, I don't know if it was like a forcing function of whatever the circumstances were, but that people that have done it before, just copying their playbook or emulating them is a really good way to get at least on the right path or the right track of success. Ah. Um, and I think... You know, growing up um, without, like, my father in the household gotcha. yeah. put me in that position to where, like, I really sought male mentorship at an early age, too. Okay. So I think I latched onto that 
Um, and then I saw how that would benefit me just from a mentorship perspective. I have female mentors and male mentors now, but I think I realized how beneficial it is to have people that have been there before guide you along that path. All right. So I think that was like, I would, I took a lot of advice at a young age of like, okay, I want to be successful. My uncle's successful. He's a commercial real estate broker. I want to get into commercial real estate. Gotcha. So that is what actually informed like going to the university of Washington getting into business school. Um, and then I had some mentors that told me, you know, go do two years of fortune 500 sales, um, like outside sales at a company because they have the re fortune 500 company will have the resources to invest in you and train you and get you up to speed. All right. And like, this is all just advice I was getting. Right. So I think that was what was interesting about middle school, high school and college is like, I always knew what the next step was going to be. Okay. Right. Cause until yeah. you graduate college, like you don't really, you don't know what the path looks like beyond that. Gotcha. Like it, it all through growing up, you're like, cool. The next step's middle school. Great. The next step's high school. Yeah. Next yeah. step's getting to a four year school. I had a really, you know, strong influence for the importance of education at a young age. Yeah. I want to continue that, that thought that you've got going there on uh, development and the developmental years, as well as the mentoring. And I wanted to back up a little bit because you shared something earlier and you mentioned about kind of growing up without a male figure in the, in the house. And it sounds to me like when that happens to individuals, I mean, that, that is a pretty traumatic thing, not to have a, a mother or a father in the house. And more often than not, a lot of people use that as the reason why they either yeah. succeeded or they failed. And when we look at it from a negative position, as I think all of us are aware, we find ourselves victimized by the fact that if I only had a dad. Did you ever find yourself at a younger age dealing with that? And then how did you, how did you begin to change your mindset from that? Yeah, that's, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think at a really young age, you go through... A, a host of emotions if you come from like a divorced family, okay. whether you're living with your father or living with your mother. Um, and I think it takes a lot of years to, to reconcile that. I think it, it manifests itself in a couple of different ways. I think one to your point is you could say I'm a victim, I'm set up for failure and I'm going to live my life as such. Okay. And I'll always use that as a crutch for why things didn't work out. Or if I had this, this would be better. If I had this, if I only had this opportunity, if only that would have worked out, I would have been successful. Yeah. Um, I think the other way that it manifested itself, and I think I was I was fortunate to have, I mean, I still had really strong parenting despite a, coming from a divorced family, um, that I think for me it manifested itself through a chip on my shoulder, ah. which turned out to be a really positive thing, I think. Um I think for me, it was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do it myself. Um, I'm going to be the man of the house. I'm going to like rise to the occasion as opposed to kind of cower down and be a victim. I just like sure. don't, don't ever have that mentality. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's probably innate, right? And like part of that's nature and nurture. But I think with anything in life too, I mean, it happens now. You know, I've been, I've been fired from jobs. I've been broke. I've been through all of that shit. Right. Um, and I think you have the choice to say, I'm going to come out of this way stronger and I'm going to go kick ass and I'm going to grow. Or you say, nothing ever works out for me. 
um, I'm meant to be a failure. Like, I think there's just choices that you make. I think there's like something you've taught me too is there's choices every morning when you wake up. You say mm -hmm. happiness is a choice. Uh, how you look at situations is a choice, right? You yeah. can either say this is an opportunity. There was that adversity involved there. I, I got punched in the gut, but like I'm going to get up stronger and I'm going to learn from that. Or you say, you know, I'm a victim yeah, and I'm not worthy and I'm not going to be good enough. And like, that's just going to be my path. Uh, yeah. Um, did I mean, you yeah, experience, did you have friends that kind of went the other direction as you were growing up? Yeah, definitely. Did you? Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that became like fuel and motivation too, of, of mm -hmm. really like emphasizing that, of having buddies that chose to go down the negative path or like had the exact same circumstances growing up, right? That, that didn't wind up being as, I, I mean, happiness is pretty subjective, but objectively happy, successful, productive mm -hmm. as I think I am. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it really is just like, you have to have good mentorship. Um, one of the really big things is, and I think I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this too, is like being willing to ask for help. Uh, and yeah. I do a lot of like career coaching and things like that of people that have been laid off or in, or in tough situations or need resume review or need help getting prep for things or interview prep. Um, and I think like a, a large piece of advice that I give to folks that are particularly people that are in tough situations is ask for help. Uh -huh. Some of the most successful people I know in life or in business are people that are comfortable using the resources around them. And like, you can't have too much of a chip onto your shoulder and too much of an F the world. I'm going to do it on my own mentality. You have to know when to tap into the right people okay. and say, Hey, I actually don't know the answer to that. I got you. Or I'm not sure how to navigate this situation or flat out. I need help getting out of this situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I, I have found that more often than not, people are, are left alone in their own thinking. And they re have to rely on their experiences. And whatever experiences those may be, they make decisions based off of those. This is an absence of a vision. Because this is where I talk about driving into the future, looking through the rearview mirror. You know, and if anybody ever tried that at 60 miles an hour, yeah. they'd find it'd be a disaster. And yet that's how some people's lives are because they keep looking past, like you called it the victimization element. Geez, if I only had a dad or if I only had a mom or if I only had a job or if I only had a... And with your dealing with the, the whole element of adversity and I think the thing we were talking about, if you could remind me, I've, I've, I lost touch with, you said, I wonder what your opinion on that was. Yeah, just about the, like, the daily choices and the broader intention of saying, I'm going to choose to find the opportunity in this adversarial situation. I'm going to choose to be happy today. Correct. I'm going to yeah. choose to, to bring people along with me. Yes. Right. Yes. I, was like, I know you've talked a lot about that where <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of intention involved in your mindset. And I think that goes back to affirmations and just the whole, your whole perspective. And if you're very intentional and principle based, yes, you have yes. something to rely on. And, and I think for me, like part of what's cool about challenges and, you know, getting knocked down is that if you believe in yourself truly, okay, and you know I've been, I've had, you know, I have a hundred percent track record of getting through bad days, right? <laughs> like I'm still here, right? Okay. Um, if you know that, and you could get knocked down, or you can have a hard situation, 
but you yeah, believe in yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're happy about it. No. It doesn't mean that you don't get depressed. No, absolutely not. Right? Yeah. You but just you don't just build a home be, there. And you know you're going to be okay. <clears throat> yeah. And you're like, cool. Like this, I'm, I, And it's okay to feel those feelings. It's not like you, don't, you can't feel sad. You can't be unhappy. You can't have a shitty month. You can't have a shitty year. You yeah. just have to believe in yourself that like, hey, I've been here before. And I know that I have people around me that love and support me and will help me get through this. I know that I've been in hard situations before and have come out stronger. So I believe in myself. Yeah. Okay. Right. And I think that's like the whole, that's the intention piece that I think is really important. All right. You just like relentlessly believe. And I mean, it, this is why affirmations are so powerful and something I've relied on for a long time is that you can really, you can convince your brain of anything, Absolutely. be it negative or positive. Absolutely. And we Absolutely. talk, we talk about this all the time. You bet. Or it's like, I've chosen to convince myself and hardwire my brain that I will be successful. And everything that gets thrown in my way is just like, cool, this is part of the part of the process, part of the plan. And like, I wonder what doors this is gonna open. Okay. Right? And like, yeah. I don't, I mean, and like, I'm not trying to make light of the fact that hard times are hard times and you're gonna go have different emotions, but. You bet. I think, yeah, I'd be curious, I, I am curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, like the, the choices and the kind of hardwiring and the power of the brain. Mm -hmm. And if you set intent on negative or positive outcomes, that life will manifest itself to support that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the brain, if we get into the science element, is very much into predictability. And the, what I mean by predictability is, is that if we were brand new every moment, we would not know how to negotiate. So we store those experiences. And, and the amygdala, which is our fight, flight, freeze mechanism, is designed, and it's, it's been around longer than our cerebral cortex is where the frontal lobe came into play, where now we can reason, which is basically what they say separates from the animal, which is basically more instinctual. Fight, flight, freeze. You don't want to get eaten. You right. play dead. And some people, they don't want to be called on in school. They disappear in the classroom. Yep. They don't make a movement, you know, and so all of us are familiar with getting angry or retreating or just not wanting to play. And what breaks us out of that is we realize we have a choice. If we don't realize we have a choice, then that's where the victimization comes into play. And I am not downplaying being a victim because there is no more powerless position that you can play. Yeah than the victim because a victim has no power. So what you've done now is you've left it up to the universe and the universe is a partnership. Mm -hmm. It's not a you just lay back and it'll all get handled for you. It's a you have to participate. And when you made those decisions, like we talk a lot about in these things, if I asked everybody to look for red in the room, they'd be identifying red. And then I say, why not green? Well, you said red. Right. And every thought is the same thing. So when you wake up and you choose to, something outstanding is going to happen today, just for instance, what do you think you find happening? Yeah, you're going to find evidence of that everywhere. And it happens every day, but yeah. you weren't looking for it. Yep. That's, I mean, that's a really good point. I think about that too with, you probably know what the brain science behind it is, but where like if you, if you go out and you're out driving randomly, like you're not recognizing any of this information, you're not picking out individual cars, but if you go out and you buy a brand new Honda Civic, the next day you're out driving, you see 10 of them, <laughs> yeah. right? Like exactly. that's like, it, that's, and that's the same thing with making choices about the direction you wanna go, right? So the, the universe or like, 
you know, whatever it is, will fill in the gaps. If you're like, I'm going there. I know there's going to be a lot of shit between me and that, but I'm going there yeah. and I'm fully convinced of that. And yeah. I ab- absolutely believe that. Amen. Then you'll find the evidence to put you in that direction. Yeah. Well, and it the, goes both ways. the science identifies it as the reticular activating system. Yeah, yeah. And, and as we've talked in the past sessions, that once you make yourself aware of something, or if you're looking for something, even if it's the bad or the good, as you said, you, I remember buying what I thought was a rare motorcycle, and then I saw three of them within <laughs> yeah. a week, right? Yeah. And, and people, people, everybody in the audience and in this room knows that that takes place. So if that takes place and you're going to get what you put out there, why would you put negativity out there? Exactly. Why would you entertain it? Yeah. And the answer is because I didn't know any better. I didn't have the mindset to shift it or the plays yeah. to put into action. Correct? Exactly. And I think that's like the mentorship thing too, is like find people that are like find worthy rivals or people that have done things that you want to do and like pick their brain. And when you're in those situations, like you have to understand what it looks like before you can set a vision to go get it. Okay. Right. Like that's yep. part of the intent is like, how do I define success for myself? Cool. I have to be very deliberate about that. All right. I have to have affirmations. I have to convince myself and understand this is what good. How looks specific like for me. do you get? Cause I know specificity is really essential. I, I get very specific. I mean, particularly in my affirmations, they probably change every three to six months. Okay. And I realized like the first, the first time I really saw the power of affirmations was, I was in a career transition. There was like this truck I really wanted to buy. And like part of my affirmation, I remember writing it down every day was, I'm driving my black F-150 across the I-90 bridge from my house in Mercer Island, right? And like, I just wrote that down every day. And it was like, I I just wanna get an F-150 so bad. And then like three months later, I ended up buying an F-150. And I like saved the money for it and all these things. And like, I, I just created that outcome for myself. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, like I was had that as an affirmation. Now all of a sudden it's become a reality. But I think like that's that's the interesting thing too that I've I've read a lot about is the specificity of your goals is really important because you have to know exactly what it looks like when you're there. You bet. In order to put yourself on the path. You know, an example is to if you've ever played darts and I give you a dart and then I close your eyes and I have and I'm holding the target. Yeah. What are your chances of hitting it? But what if you open your eyes and see the target? Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. <laughs> and I, th- I think the one, what interesting thing I read too um, from this guy, Ed Milet, on goal setting, which was interesting, was in order to understand, you know, if you set financial goals, which I mean, a lot of people set financial goals, and it, this plays out in a lot of different ways. But if you're like, okay, I want to have, have $10 million, or I want to have a million dollars, let's say, right? So what is a million dollars like? You have to understand what does a million dollars look like, feel like? What does it look like when you log into your bank account? What car are you driving? What sort of investments are you making? What is your like day-to-day budget? What Mm -hmm. kind of house can you afford, right? And like, if you're gonna set your mind on a specific goal, you need to put yourself in the shoes of like, okay, what would it feel like if I had 10 million bucks? What would I have? Yeah. What would that take? And, And how important is it that well, ten million—that's a lot of money. God, I only—I only have thirty thousand right now yep. that I make a year. So, what? What? Do, what do you? What do you? What do you share with people 
to not allow that, which is so powerful because it's the truth for that person, to not sabotage the opportunity to even imagine a million dollars in their bank account. Well, you know, here's the thing. Okay. You know a million dollars exists, right? Correct. It's out there. It's out there. Right? So you could go get it. You bet. Like You, you have to convince yourself of that. You okay. know $10 million exists. You know $100 million exists. And you're like, cool. Like, how do I, what do I have to do to get there? Gotcha. Like, what is the path to doing that? Okay, so there's, there's a real key. What do I need to do to get there instead of, here are the reasons why it won't happen for me. Yeah. So that's the reticular again. Because if you go, or if you ask, if you tell yourself, I'm going to pick my phone up, do you grab a banana? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and people don't realize there's the power right there. Yeah. They just don't expand it further, do yeah. they? No. And they don't like, that's the importance of short-term goals too, is like one, you have to understand that that ex- of this beautiful country that we live in, the opportunity is there to go get whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be financial. It could be like, I want to um, contribute philanthropically to this specific cause. And I want to have this much of an impact on, you know, this disease or this marginalized community or, you know, disadvantaged children, right? Okay. Whatever, whatever the goal is, you just have to like clearly understand that and understand that there are people doing that okay. that are helping those people. So it's possible to do that. Sure. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like as, as soon as you understand that it's possible to do that, like we talked about, yep. then you'll find ways to make it happen. But you have to understand, cool, if I'm, if I'm 15 years away from a goal of having 10 million bucks when I'm 45, I have to break that down annually into what I need to save, understanding that there'll be, if you get on a certain path, there'll be earnings increases throughout that, right? But like you have to say, I got to check in with myself in a year to see how well I'm pacing for that. Okay. And if I'm behind the ball, I need to step up my game up and get a second job right. or find a passive stream of income, right? Like, and all it is, is like you, you can choose to give up on your goals or you can say, I will, I'm just relentlessly going to do it. Yep. Like that's what's interesting about these mega successful people is I think the difference is they just don't say no. They're just relentless. Yeah. They're just like, I, I, there's no well, like option for me not to get that goal. And if it means working 90 hours a week hmm. or, you know, getting really creative, like those folks go out and do that. Yes. And find people that have done it and say, hey, put, help me, guide well, me. Well, you know, the other thing you said, Connor, is, is that if you set that goal, no matter what it is, and let's say it's 500,000. And then you back it up to, what do I need to do today? Now all of a sudden, does that Starbucks? Now it's only four fifty or five fifty. Is that going to get me where I want to go? And that's what we're talking about about choices. Yeah. But if you don't bring it back to this moment, it's okay to get to Starbucks. Yeah. And then you find your apps out. You can't afford the five, yeah. so you go and you dump 25. From, yep. <laughs> and then you wonder why you're not getting there. Yeah. You get discouraged, and you say, ah, I'd rather have a Starbucks. So this is something I wanted to ask you about. That's a, I love this quote, though. It's hope is not a strategy. Hope is so not a strategy. So that's the difference between a goal and something that is a dream. Okay. A goal is like I'm, I have a, a plan. Yeah. A dream is I hope to have that, but I'm going to continue to get my latte every day and piss away my savings. And you bet. Oh, why am I not getting closer to my goal? Well, you're not intentional daily about achieving that. You know what else is missing? They never bothered to own the vision to begin with. Yeah. They never bothered to own the goal to begin with. People say 
yeah, I want this, and they say they've set a goal. As you mentioned, do they know what it feels like? Do they know? Can they see it? Yeah, they can felt- they touch it? Yeah, can they taste it? Can they smell it? And if they go no, then don't write it down. Yeah, you're just going to make yourself feel worse. Yeah, because you have to own it first, and that is, I think, is where the relentlessness comes from, because it's almost like not doing ever doing podcasts before, and somebody says you ought to do podcasts, and, and it's like, well, what do you got to do? Which is not the right question to ask. Right. But most people, unfortunately, ask the how first before they have the vision. So the reticular mm-hmm. is looking around the room and going, you got any mics? No, I don't have any mics. Too bad. Can't well, make a podcast. Can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Screw the podcast. What else do you need? But if you go, oh, podcast, what would that be like? How would it feel to be able to... All right, and what's it, who's going to be involved? What's it going to look like? And all of a sudden, now what have you done? You've declared red, and now all of those things appear. Yeah. But you have to be able to ac- acquiesce, not acquiesce, but acquire those things. Yeah. And then that requires other choices, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't realize those mics were so expensive. Right. <laughs> okay, so what are you going to do to make sure that you're able to pull those off? Right. And then it becomes very easy because you're not just starting out with the podcast you're starting out with the vision of the podcast and now you back up and this is backing into the how-to isn't it mm-hmm. yeah so what can i do now that's different and this is such a key question what are you going to do that you're currently not doing and those of you out there you need to write that down what am i going to do that i'm currently not doing because it's the what you're not doing now is what's going to get you what you want. Yeah. What you're doing now is going to keep you the same. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, that's like true of individuals and really high-performing organizations too is like the vision piece is really critical to understand and to unify people to say, hey, you know, you're in product or engineering or growth or whatever operations, whatever particular discipline you're in within that organization, you have your own subset of goals. There are goals that are congruent and synchronous with other parts of the organization, but all of those goals add up to this one broader vision that the company has. You bet. And without that, you're just kind of meandering and that there's not a ton of meaning. So like Simon Sinek in the Infinite Game, a great book, and talks about the just cause and how these really high performing organizations have a just cause. So like for Microsoft for a long time, they changed it, but it was like a PC in every home in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, that's a goal that like everybody can rally behind. And like, that's a vision or the American diabetes association is, you know, uh, diabetes is no longer a thing basically. Uh, Right. Like I'll completely eliminate diabetes. Yeah. Right. Like that is a North star that, or if you're an individual, it's like, I'm going to be successful how I define it. And there's no, there's no two ways about it. Like, I'm going to be fucking successful. Yeah. Right. And like, that's your just cause. You're like, cool. Like I will, there's a lot of different things that are going to happen along the way. But as long as I know what that looks like for me and where I want to go, then I have intention every day. I have choices every day. I know I can make to support that. Yeah. Right. So what, what you're hearing and especially referring to Senec and all the work done out there is your sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and how essential it is that, and, those of you that are familiar with sense of purpose know exactly what I'm talking about. Sense of purpose is defining your why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What, why do I exist? Why am I here in this planet? Why am I talking into this microphone? Right. And it all should come from 
your why, your sense of purpose. And as we've talked about before, you know, my sense of purpose is to raise the self-esteem of the human race one person at a time, which then guides me to stop being so critical, stop being so judgmental, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not in, that's gets me off purpose. What have you found, Connor, to that your driving purpose is? Well, have you been able to articulate that? Well, I think it's evolved, which I think is like an important part of it too, is like okay. being able to adapt and being able to make changes or iterations on what it is that you want to go do while keeping that broader picture in mind. And I think a, a large part of it for me is like just helping others. Okay. Right. So it's yeah. like leading from the front, right. In order for me to be able to help others or to add any sort of value or to bring people along, like I have to go through what I think success looks like, particularly in my career. Okay. I think like that's something that is really important to me. I love the one-on-one coaching and development opportunities that I have with with people of all disciplines. And like, that's where I find purpose is, Hey, I've been in this situation. I've had that mindset before I've been, you know, I've, I've lost a job before I understand what you're going through. Like, let me talk. I you haven't through. had any money. Yeah. Like, yeah. let me talk you through like what the, what mindset helped me get out of that situation. And I think my success in this manifests itself in leadership at, at work and whatever career things as well is I define my success by my ability to make others successful. Well, let me ask you something so that we can draw from your coaching. What about the people out there that go, well, I understand the vision stuff, and I kind of get, get the thing with the Honda Civic, and then I see a bunch of them, but I really don't know what I want. And if I really knew what I want, then I could really go for it. How would you coach someone like that? Um, are you speaking in like terms of they don't know what job they want or what they want in life? I think that's where we you've got to get into those yeah. questions, yeah. correct? So yeah. you would kind of start with what don't you know? Is it yeah. job related? Is it? Yeah, and I think like when it comes to particularly like career count coaching or people that are down and out, like and that question comes up a lot, and it's not uncommon. Be it you're an 18 year old kid or a 50 year old, there are a lot of people that are like, I don't know what I'm good at, and I don't know what I want to go do. Okay. And I think the first piece of that is is educating yourself on what the opportunities are. Okay. Right. And like doing deep introspection, or there are a multitude of different tests you can take in understanding what your particular personality propensities are, what your strengths and weaknesses are from a personality perspective. What type of people do you communicate best with? Gotcha. What type of things excite you? Everybody has passions and hobbies, and like. I don't think it's necessarily true that like you go chase your passion and you'll be successful. I think that that's probably an overused idiom. I think that there are a multitude of different ways to get on a successful path. Okay. Right. So like there's not necessarily one specific formula, one specific answer. I think to folks like that, the important thing is progress. All right. right. Like okay. let's get some positive momentum. Let's <clears throat> celebrate some small victories. Let's get a better understanding. Of what, what might a like small victory be? I mean, if you're unemployed, a small victory might be applying for a job. Okay. Gotcha. You know, or getting or just, your resume together. Literally, getting your resume together, doing mm. some interview coaching, building some confidence. Gotcha. Like, yeah. those are all small victories. Getting some introductory conversations, uh, growing your network, meeting new people. That's all progress if you're trying to elevate okay. yourself from a yeah. career perspective. Yeah. And I think not getting lost in And that also builds like, positivism because you are recognizing that you're making some progress yeah and you're not saying okay if i have this i'm going from zero to one i'm unemployed and i want to be a a director of marketing for a startup right okay there's some like work to do in between those two phases (laughs) okay 
so let's celebrate the small victories along the way. It's like the, you know, you're pushing the boulder up the hill, right? And like every day you got to push the boulder a little further and eventually you'll get to the top of the hill and then it starts rolling and you get all this momentum, right? And like, that's how I kind of think about it is like the hard work. There's like this quote in filth, it will be found, which is like, when stuff's really quote? shitty, What's the quote? in filth, it will be found. In filth, it will be found. And that's like when you're down and out and when things are really shitty, like the hard work and the tears and the blood and the sweat that you do in those moments is really where the like magnificent things happen. Uh, right? So it's like the only thing that you can do that is going to kill you in those situations is nothing. Okay. You just yeah. got to take action. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like be like cool like today i applied for five jobs i talked to larry about you know how to prep for certain interviews or like you know how to get prepared for this i networked with a marketing leader in a startup that i just i reached out to on linkedin like i'm starting to understand what these roles look like i'm starting to understand what the path might look like if i go to a you know a large fortune 500 organization if i go to a small company if i go to a not-for-profit like you have to start educating yourself and being like, cool, I understand what this ecosystem looks like. So now you're filling in the gap between zero and one and you just start chipping away at that. Yeah. Right. And like yeah. build that momentum. Yeah. I mean, it's just like what people get scared of is, well, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Well, yeah. just start. Yeah. That's my advice. It's like, yeah. just stop <laughs> thinking about it and just start because the, the, if you just take action daily, like you're going to move yourself forward. Sure. Right. And like ask for help. Well, sometimes the, the, you should give yourself credit for getting out of bed. Seriously. I, I mean, mean, honestly, right? if, you're, if you're depressed and you're like as low as humanly possible, like, yeah, yeah getting out of bed or I took a shower. Like those are victories. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And people are in those situations every day. And particularly yeah. now where millions of Americans have been displaced from work. I know there's a lot of people out there that are going through that. Absolutely. And I think like that, like action and progress, no matter how small you need to celebrate because that's how you build momentum. And I think this is something you'll find really interesting and that I'm passionate about is this whole, this whole idea of self-confidence and building self-confidence and how that manifests itself in a, in a a host of very positive ways in your life. If you can build self-confidence and I heard a great definition of self-confidence that I kind of live by, which is you build self-confidence by keeping the promises you made to yourself, Ah, right? So you start believing and trusting in yourself. Share that again. You build self-confidence by keeping the promises that you made to yourself. Okay. So when you're down and out, if you're like, tomorrow I'm getting up at seven, right? And you do it. That's one little thing, but you know what? Now you start believing. Now that you're up. You're like, cool. Like I told myself I was going to do that and I did it. I got that's you. a victory. Yeah. And like that, that is how you build momentum. And that's how you get out of these situations from yeah. my perspective is like, you keep the promises that you make to yourself. You do the, the shitty stuff. You feel the pain, you feel the emotion. You say, I don't ever want to feel like that again. Yeah. Yep. And I'm running away yep. from that. And both of us have, have, have many stories that we could tell. Oh yeah. About being in a fetal position, pulling the blanket up over our head <laughs> yeah. and not wanting to play. Oh, absolutely. And listening to this going bullshit. Yeah. I'm not getting up at seven. <laughs> yeah. Not to have another crummy day. Yep, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but, I mean, I think that is like, there was just... But that's where the introspection comes in and is yeah. so important. Is these times we're going through now are very... Re- they can be very reflective as well. Because there's a lot of people that are finding out, I don't want to go back to that job anymore. I didn't realize that I didn't enjoy it anymore. It was just paying a bill or it was satisfying mm-hmm. this or satisfying my parents or it was... And now it's time in this new opportunity that's presented herself 
to start doing what you are excited about. Right. And then realizing that it starts by, like you said, one positive step of doing what you promise yourself to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where that old quote, don't overpromise and underdeliver. Yep. We know that power that is in working with customers. Mm-hmm. But it's also very powerful in working with ourself. Totally. Because nothing brings us down more than going, I didn't do it again. Yeah. It, After a while, you stop even asking yourself to do it. Totally. Don't you? And that's like, that's the amazing thing if you observe hyper successful people is there's there's always a really strong sense of discipline and work ethic. And those, yeah, I, I don't believe that those things are innate within you. Like those are muscles that you build. Okay. Like discipline is an absolute muscle. Okay. Right. So similar to building your muscles, like if you're like, hey, my, my arms are weak, like I can't even lift up a book, right? You're like, okay, I'm going to start by lifting these little, these little cans of beans from the cupboard, yep. right? All of a sudden, after a week, those are getting a little easier. And you're like, I'm going to do the two-pound dumbbells, right? And, like, that's the same thing. These, like, it's great that you're lifting this little can of beans. That's what got you to lifting the 45-pound dumbbells yeah. is the steps along the way. You but you got to pick up the can of beans. Yep. Yeah. You know, like, you can't just, I'm so weak, I can't lift the dumbbell. You're like, cool, like, there's probably some things I can do. You know, that's such so beautiful. There's an article about the iceberg effect in, in leadership is that, and in athletics and everything else, as people see these people at the at the ultimate epitome of their career, and, but they don't see what got them there. Yeah, and so they immediately, I just want to be able to do that. Yeah, and don't have and don't build the muscle of discipline. Yep, that's why I like that's a so it's so true, and it's like people see the overnight success, but they don't see the twenty years of blood, sweat, right, tears. Right, right. They're just like, oh, this dude just you know sold his company for fifteen million bucks. How lucky! It's like, no, he busted his ass for fifteen years to get there. All yeah. you see is the overnight success. Well, or they look at you and they see your Porsche. Yeah, but they don't see right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, some of these blood, sweat, and tears. That some of these that. cars you had to put together yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you strained because there were there was fifteen hundred bucks. Yep. to oh, buy yeah. the darn yeah. thing. They were check engine light come on and it's financial ruin. <laughs> Yeah, you know, right. and your gut drops, and you're like, "I'm, I'm just fucked." <laughs> yes, yes, and and appreciate his his choice of words now and then, everyone. Um, the, uh, you know, this has been this has been so much fun, and there's so many directions we can go in. What do you? We've we have found after the Gallup studies came out, where they interviewed a million five hundred thousand folks around the world. And found that 82% of them were unhappy with what they're doing. That, mm. I, for the people out there that are listening and going, oh, that must be really great, Connor. You know, well, you're very articulate, you know, and you, you can see where you can be successful. Mm. I had been one of those people that was seeing how other people could be so successful, but then I was recognizing how far away I was from it. We've talked a lot about the steps to take and everything else, but kind of in wrapping this thing up, what would you share with those people that are in that situation and listening to this now? That are unhappy with their job. Yes, yes. And then then all of a sudden you're unhappy with your spouse, you're unhappy with your house, you're unhappy with your... Yeah, well, okay. So one thing I would share with them, first of all, that's like we could have a two-hour mindset conversation on that, and that'd be a long one-on-one coaching session. We'll do another one. Okay. But... So I think there's there's another so there's all these things you could do and have in your toolkit that'll make you 
more successful, um, happier. Like these are all just choices. We've talked about the ability to hardwire the brain. Okay. And I think one thing that you can do for those type of folks is, you know, gratitude exercises. Okay. Take inventory of what you do have. Gotcha. Right. A lot of people look at the, you know, there's a hundred things, 99 of them are going right. Guess what we focus on? Yep. The one thing that's going wrong. Yep. Right. Like, why don't you focus on the 99 that are going right? Yeah. Um, Because I think like that is a really slippery slope where if you're unhappy at work, one in a lot of you do have a choice to um, correct that situation, whether that's immediate or long term, of course, or financial constraints and things. And are you unhappy with yourself or are you unhappy with your job, well, because and, if you're unhappy with yourself, bringing yourself to any job, it's not going to matter. What and the when job you come is. home, you're going to bring your family down. Like you said, you're going to cause problems in your marriage. There's a whole host of ways that that can do that. And I think, like the brain is just this like mushy ball of chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. And you have control. And if you have, you know, if you're deliberate, you can control those chemicals to a certain extent. Um, assuming you're re- reasonably healthy, of course. There's like you know oh, sure. a host of disorders and things like that that yes. make that more difficult, but for the broader population, I think gratitude, like daily gratitude exercises, rewiring your brain to be appreciative of the things that you do have, seeing the good in things can make a world of difference. Well, just um, simply brushing your teeth and realizing you're not using your finger. Yeah. Or that you have toothpaste. Yeah, or that you have a job. Or, yeah, or that you're in a house to be able to brush your teeth. Yeah. And I mean, you know what? Maybe your boss isn't so bad, and maybe it's just a, a perspective thing. Or maybe you're not letting go of what happened four months ago, mm-hmm. three years ago. Yep. And so your reticular is open to seeing that why you don't like that person. <laughs> and it's right. As opposed to what, what am I grateful about with this person? And, and God, it's hard enough to be, you know, we, this is, we're talking a lot in like philosophical and conceptual. There's a lot of hard work and discipline that goes into making any of this stuff a reality. And it's really hard for me. And I don't want to sit here and talk about how it's just like, oh, it's just super easy. You just be grateful. It takes a lot of work <laughs> to do that. Um, but you got to make the choice. And it's a hell of a lot harder to, to do any of that or to make any progress if you're letting other people control how you feel. I gotcha. So that's wow. like, oh, my boss is, you know, on my case every day. I mean, if you just start to give everybody else in your life power, to manifest your negativity, guess what? There's going to be a bunch of people in your life that are going to do that for you. Gladly. Gladly. Yes. So like that, that you have to first eliminate those folks or those scenarios or those people's control over the way that you think. Well, then you get it. It's because I love you. I'm telling you this. Don't get your hopes up now. Yeah. There's a lot of people much more qualified than you out there. And that's the thing too, is like, that's a really good point is like, I mean, when it comes to advice, Take advice from a lot of different people. Okay. Right? And yes. like you'll find nuggets here and there. Don't be convicted to one person's and belief. And take system. advice from those that have some successes. Yes. Their belt. yes. You know, they talk about, I don't know what, the, maybe you do what the statistics are of a young kid becoming a professional basketball player. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's minuscule. Yeah. And yet, if you asked another friend whether you could be one or not, they'd probably say there's no prayer in hell yeah you ask your family there's no prayer in hell you ask a professional basketball player and they'll hand you a basketball and they'll say dribble every day sleep with this thing because now you're talking to someone who can mentor you where the others want to protect you yeah don't let yourself get protected into failure Mm -hmm. because that can happen yeah and they say you're the average of the five 
five closest friends or the five people. That's very, very true. Isn't it? Isn't it's it? It's so true. Yes. If you're around and like there's some hard decisions I've made in my life where there's people I just don't even talk to anymore. Gotcha. Because they weren't accretive to the life that I wanted to live. I gotcha. They're bringing me down. They don't have the same values. Yeah. Like if you spend too much time with people that aren't on the same page or the same trajectory or the same direction you want to head, you're going to end up being the average of those people. You know, so that's like, a find good... people that like have done it and yeah. that you're like, this person is someone I want to connect with and be deliberate and ask people to go get coffee, ask people to, yep. to help you ask if they can pick their brain out, buy you lunch. Yep. You know, I can't tell you the amount of people I've hit up on LinkedIn that I've never talked to before. And have just asked if I could get a phone call with them and you'd be surprised particularly people that are successful professionally, how much they're willing to help because most of them got there through getting help. There you go. Right? You so go. it's his whole yes. thing. Yes. Yes. Well, you have you have been very, very exciting. You've been very enlightening. <laughs> I'm passionate about this stuff. Yes, I can see that. And I can see why you're you're so successful too, because you are so good with people and you do care about people. Um, he was out to dinner the other night uh, with some people that he works with that he's never gone to their home and he showed me a picture of him sitting with this little boy in his lap who looked like he couldn't have been more excited to be in <laughs> Connor's lap and that's just kind of that giving mentality about making it about others yeah and what you've said to every one of us and one of the best ways to get started if you are a little confused out there is what we've shared before is define yourself first or others will mm-hmm. and as Connor began to define himself there were other individuals that he cared about that were nothing wrong with them, but they no longer supported the newer version of Connor. And mm-hmm. he got that through affirmations, he got that through journaling, and he did it on purpose. It just didn't sit back waiting for it to happen. And I think that n- no one is, gets, ever gets excited about, hey, do you wanna go work? <laughs> but just the term itself does not, in, Develop this exciting emotion of taking action. So more than more often than not, if we begin to make those decisions about, I want this money, much money. I want to work indoors, or I want to work outdoors. I want to be around like-minded people. I want to dress up for work. I don't. I want to be casual. All of those decisions begin to break down what it is that's going to make be right for you. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the rest of your life. Yeah. Because that opens the door to something else. Yeah. Connor has had several, several phenomenal opportunities at major organizations, and all they did was open a door to another one. And I've known Connor for many, many years. And one thing that I think has always been special about him is that as the five year old coming out of the swamp with a frog on his head <laughs> and the smile like he just conquered the world was someone who knows what it is to be grateful. So folks, find a frog, drop it on your head. Connor, it has been wonderful. Yeah, this is great. I know how valuable your time is. Thank you so much for sharing with it. Yeah, and I'd you. love to do this again. Yeah, I'd love to do it again as well. All right, thank that you. That was awesome. And uh, I know that uh, anybody listening, Larry and I both would be totally open to you know any sort of one-on-one or if anybody wants any sort of deeper insight our contact information will be yeah it'll be available on the website feel free to reach out to me if you want to talk about anything excellent excellent thank you thank you for listening on our next episode diane monzalowski former speech language pathologist 
combines her specific background and brain research to take on the COO position for Apernio, the mindset playbook supporting company which specializes in cultures that draw, engage, and sustain exceptional performance. Her expertise and engaging spirit will convince you that anything truly is possible when you combine science, associate first cultures, and business. Diane will also share that it doesn't hurt to bring a little hope to every occasion and the mindset of looking forward to new opportunity and seizing it with enthusiasm and excitement.